Sorry about no music tonight. Brandon just yelled at me about it. But welcome oh. to the Bill Bradley Collective. Somebody's got to keep in your place. Eh? <laughs> I know. Uh, you do something once, you have to do it all the time. Welcome. It's, it is Bill Bradley after dark. None of us can see each other. and We can all see you. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I have to have a uh, computer screen because I'm old and I don't remember things. And and since I just mentioned my age, I'm going to turn to you first, Andrew. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing well. Doing well. That's good. So <clears throat> in my 60 years in this planet, three coaches from the University of Miami have made the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's going to get now, this. Now, wait. He's going to get this. Wait. Two of the coaches who coached during my lifetime come from the, the University of Miami of Florida. And one of them comes from the University of Miami of Ohio, though that's not why he's in the Hall of Fame. He, it's from the second team he coached that got him in the Hall of Fame. Who are they? Is this and the are co- they dead or alive? Is this the Pro Football Hall of Fame or College Football College Hall Football Hall of Fame. Okay. So, so wait, you said there were four. Three. There were three. Okay. I th- I heard Two one. from Florida. And one, one from, from Florida, Miami. Right. Yep. Miami, uh, Miami. University of uh, Miami of, of Ohio. And... Um, then are they dead or alive? I assume so, you're gonna get the Florida ones right away. I mean, not necessarily because like there's multiple really good coaches that came through there. So only two. That yes. Only two. I will tell you something that shocked I me. Mean, Howard Schembechler is not in the Hall of Fame. That's insane. That, that, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, well, one it, of them's easy. Jimmy Johnson. Yep. It's easy, and I feel like. I feel like Dennis Erickson is fairly easy. Yep. Now you just have the Miami of Ohio. Lou Saban? He's probably... It's I I will tell you this. I'll give you one more guess. He coached there. It's incredibly ironic that he, he coached in Ohio. It's incredibly ironic that he because his Hall of Fame career is based on hating Ohio. It's uh, Bo Schembechler. It is Bo Schembechler. That is correct. Schembechler's dead. The other two are alive. Yes, that oh, is true. <laughs> Fuck. That was easy. Yeah. Fuck. But you got the Bo part. God damn it. I, uh, sorry. I, I, was, I was a little I, fired up this episode. I had I'm forgotten sorry. that the Schembechler had coached at the U- uh, It uh, used to be a thing. Like, when, when Schembechler coached against Woody Hayes, it's like, well, he started coaching in Ohio. And then when I was, I decided that I was going to do a, a Miami of Florida because I thought there would be four of them. You would think, and there were only yeah. two. And um, and I thought the question would be: Is Schenbeck, is uh, Sh- Howard Schnellenbeck? Uh, Schnellenbecker. Yeah. Is Howard Schnellenberger? Schnellenberger. Is Howard Schnellenberger dead or alive? And then it, um, it wasn't an issue because he's not in. My buddy Jason is a is a is an avid listener of this podcast and a Michigan alum and a Michigan football obsessive. And he's going to listen to this and I'm going to get a text that's like, "You fucking moron! <laughs> I've talked to you how long about Bo Schembechler and you didn't know that he got to start it." Uh, my bio. Yeah, that's to look forward to. Thanks, Ed. How are you doing, Zach? Ah, uh, doing well. That's good. So. I think this is an easy one. Rich Simpson's guest character. So he's in only one episode, though he's referenced often thereafter. Rich Simpson's guest character lived upstairs from a bowling alley and also downstairs from a bowling alley. All in one episode? Okay. No, 
it, it was one of the things that that he he visited. Well, so he was referenced in living one place yeah. and actually lived in another. Right, right. No, no, he, he, no, there was a he bowling alley. There was a bowling alley above <laughs> him and a bowling alley right. below him. It was a, his apartment it was a walk-up bowling alley. <laughs> Only in the sense. And, and I will, I will give you a hit. He dies during the episode, at the end of the episode, obviously. Oh, Frank Grimes. That is Frank Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> in an incredibly underrated episode, I was, I watched it and oh my God. God, it has, my, it has my, it has one of my favorite lines. He's competing against children. Yeah, and he kicked all their asses. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, uh, uh, Martin is able to light the entire room from his model of a nuclear power plant, <laughs> but Homer just makes a picture of the uh, makes a diorama of the. Uh, the current, the, the power, current power plant from a shoebox, but puts racing stripes on it and, a, and a, a fin on the tower to help with wind resistance. <laughs> it's so it's, crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a border. It's a bona fide top ten episode. All right, Zach, I'll, I'll go to you. What will you be writing about? I'll be writing about uh, an update in the Brett Favre welfare fraud saga. What will you be writing about, Andrew? The latest bit of state propaganda from one Phil Mickelson on Live Golf. And if I may, for one second, I've left out maybe the thing that drew me to this rant in the actual rant. Is that the comments that the comments that kind of got him embroiled in controversy earlier this year. All about these scary motherfuckers, etc, etc. We know they killed a guy for being gay, this and that. Whatever. He denied at the press conference I'm going to talk about. He denies the interview ever happened, even though he went on an apology tour following it. Didn't play in the Masters, didn't play in the U.S. Open. But the interview never happened. These things that he was uh, taking a public, t- took a vow of absence from the public for months. I never talked to Alan Shipnuck on the record, um, which, and there's so much to get into in Phil's inanity, but um, this fucking guy needs to go away and go away now. It, well, <laughs> I mean, what your two rants have in common are these are people who have lit fire to their reputations reputations and legacies right. for sure i mean realistically for for many not all maybe not even most but probably most if they would just either go away and not talk anymore or die right after their careers people would feel so much better about them i will be ranting about america's 19th favorite theme restaurant Medieval times. It can't be that high. Well, a lot of the theme it's restaurants. It's above Applebee's. Let's go. No. Let's go to, Outback's let's go to the theme. list. Outback's we? got a theme. Yeah. Well, Outback. Yeah. All right. Outback's, yeah, we got all the time. No, we're going right. to go through the list. Outback's a theme Jesus restaurant. Christ. I'm kidding. But, There's a lot. <laughs> I'm kidding. For those of you who will not be joining us at the bar two and a half days earlier from listening to this, uh, later than, than we're doing it, um, we will absolutely come up with the list of the 19 best theme <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> and. We'll update you next week if they yeah, actually make the cut. Yeah, it'll be on our Facebook page. Uh, and, um, but our uh, Patreon content. Our, yeah, it's our Patreon content. <laughs> Can I? All right, we read short today, right, Brandon? So not anymore. Uh, all right. no. <laughs> I follow. I do have a Patreon. I, I follow somebody on Patreon, who's this New Jersey um, paraeducator, who got divorced, and she's really into liberal politics. Uh, Joe from Jersey. Are you, really? And it's like, really? Come on, man. No, because I, I've seen her Twitter. Um, it's not anyway, great. Go ahead. 
Hey, we plugged but, you. Plug us back. But right, right. Yeah, Joe. No free. No, pop. no, no. no well, well, yeah. wait a second. No free lunch. But you can't do it if two of you are shitting on her. <laughs> and then I, I went to say like I sold the leash. I'm like, I'm gonna cancel. And she's, she's raising two kids, Ed. <laughs> this is part of your need to tithe. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm gonna just see myself. No, out of this. that's yeah. the that's the end. In our main that's topic, the, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Right there, no main topic. Right. We're done <laughs> for our main topic. Zach, what are we talking about? Uh, in our main topic, we will be talking about it's spooky season in politics as we get closer to Halloween. Uh, so we'll be talking about what scares us and about this election coming up on November eighth. October has the two worst holidays: the Columbus Day, but we're turning it into Indigenous People Day, so we don't have to give up the day off day, and we all hopefully get it off. And I didn't get it off. I, was, uh, I got it. I <laughs> technically got it off, but because everybody else was off, I had meetings. All My day job long. is on indigenous land. I shouldn't work. No, and so it's it, it's Columbus Day slash Indigenous People Day slash Don't Take a Holiday Away from Us Day, which <laughs> will probably get switched <laughs> off to June. In a normal world, would we'll just get switched off to Juneteenth. Yep. And Halloween. A holiday which, A, is liked way too much by way too many people, and B, is about you having to get off the fucking couch and give children can- you don't know candy. I don't understand either holiday. October is the best month in Connecticut, and the holidays ruin it. If we just could go to work every day and just go on. Am I wrong about this? Yes. I love Halloween. Halloween sucks. I, I, like, I didn't like Halloween as a kid dressing up and eating candy. But I like Halloween as an adult, like having these five, six second conversations with these children that are very excited and giving them candy uh, as their parents, you know, hope that I'm not putting fentanyl into the Reese's pieces. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I love the holiday. Yeah, I think Halloween kind of fucks, man. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. All right, so to kick off the ranch for this week, I am going to do an update on uh, former New York Jet great Brett Favre's legal drama um, happening in Mississippi uh, if you missed my last rant, long story short, he committed welfare fraud by misappropriating funds to go to a building a volleyball center and a wellness center at his uh, Mississippi Southern University of Southern University Miss. Of, yeah, his daughter's thank you uh, University yeah. of Southern Miss. And uh, since then, uh, text messages have come out, and Brett Favre has issued a response. Uh, the text messages that came out included one that I'll paraphrase. But was essentially, can the media find out where I'm getting this money from? Right. That was you saw that text. I did. He was like, he was like, can can anyone track this for the media to see where this money? So hmm. that's what you would call a red flag. If he, because he he then went on in his response to claim he knew nothing about this. He thought that this all was done legally. Um, that state employees and state attorneys had looked at this. All he was trying to do was to better uh, the his alma mater. And most importantly, 
Uh, he claimed that this was a smear campaign by the media. So, gentlemen, <laughs> it's a smear campaign or smoke? Brent, spoiler alert. Nobody's fucking thinking about you. Like, you, you, don't, you don't smear people you have forgotten about. Who's Who are we smearing next? Um, let's see. Kenny Stabler. We're going to start smearing Kenny Stabler. That's fa- a fine defense for someone who never saw any of the text messages whatsoever, where he clearly knows it's against the law, and he's worried they're going to find out. He says, is it going to be a problem if they find, you know, uh, I'm worried they're going to find where the money came from, yeah. like he says it. He also managed to divert large amounts of his cancer charity money to the Southern Miss volleyball program. Oh, he also did. It's got to be the best funded Conference USA sport <laughs> of all. It gets more money than the football team. He, he also denied that he didn't give speeches that he clearly didn't give and is getting sued over. Yeah, I, I don't think this goes back to our CTE discussion of last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, but I think uh, he's a bad person. Like, I just love the thought of a media campaign when the New York media, <sighs> when he sent a dick pic to a reporter, didn't really treat that as a big story. It was kind of in the news and out of the news. And like, it was like an in-house reporter. It was yeah. like an intern for the yeah. Jets that was doing some, you know, media stuff. Um, Jen Sturger, and yeah, that was no, nothing to see here. No, it's, their hands fine. it's all good. The New York media, yeah. the always soft, uh, soft-handed New York media. Right. Woof. Um, so this week, Live Golf is back in their kind of like native. Native land. I mean, it'd be easy to call like Liv's headquarters any Trump course in this country, but I mean, I guess the headquarters are Saudi Arabia. And where is this week's event? It's in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. It's almost like Ponte Vedra Beach, but for Liv. Um, Phil Mickelson met the media earlier this week, and let's just say the only thing more outlandish, more uh, cringeworthy than his comments were the the henna tattoo. That you can kind of make out on his left hand. That tattoo is about, if you can see, like, between my thumb and... It's, like, in that space there. And it's literally, if you... If in the last several years, the logo that's adorned his apparel is him. The famous jump at the 2004 Masters where he hits the final putt on the 72nd hole and he jumps about four inches off the ground <laughs> with both hands up in, like, triumph. And, like, that's, you know, been on his shirts and hats for all these years. And now uh, it has to be because nobody will actually, you know, sponsor him. He's got to use his own logo. Um, well, now he's got that tattooed, you know, a 53-year-old man with a hand tattoo of his um, <laughs> jump, his own, you know, uh, van- vanity Jumpman logo. Good for him. Pretty cool. Jerry West, yeah, just, sure. got, Jerry West just got a tattoo of the NBA logo on his on his uh, left butt cheek. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true? I, I, I believe it. I believe it. You heard it here first. Um, really quickly, Michael Sinks, I, I, I don't want to spend even too much time glorifying a lot of his comments because a lot of his comments to me uh, reflect a point that I made months back where... Liv is becoming increasingly like um, the republic, the the kind of not even the fringe voices, the, vo- the 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 mainstream voices of the Republican Party in in twenty twenty two. They're the they're the MAGA golf tournament. What's happening now? And it's it's Phil Mickelson getting up there and talking to the press and saying that I I I believe I'm on the right side. I believe this this outfit Liv is trending up. The PGA Tour is trending down. Which if you look at any any statistic, anything, attendance, viewership, anything. Uh, social media interaction, it's just completely untrue, just a complete falsehood. But he's up there, you know, parroting this company line that, again, they could not 
give away fucking tickets to any of their American stops the, in the, the last couple of months. The the the, the you could get a th- have, the tickets at Bedminster were a fucking dollar. You could get a three day pass for a dollar. <laughs> Same in Chicago. Right. Um, again. You have this morning, just this morning, and again, it's the wee hours, whatever. You got Brooks Kepka on the, you know, flirting with fifty nine, and you've got this woman uh, in Saudi Arabia playing like a fucking violin on stilts, and there's seventeen thousand people on YouTube watching this thing, this abomination. You're gonna tell me that this is is the one that's trending forward, and the PGA's PGA Tour is trending back? No, not to this observer. And I will say this: Listen, if if Mickelson wants to say I'm having the most fun of my career and this and that, I don't believe him for a second. Number one. Number two, if you if that's why you're doing this, man, you guys have a fucking ball. Like, ball out, have fun, cash those checks. I don't give a fuck. But when you, if you're gonna try to like tell me that this is a success in on, on a on a on a grand scale and a broader scale than your own personal enjoyment, brother, miss me with that because that is it's bullshit. It's it's it and it's almost like they're talking themselves into these. They're trying to make these lies into truths, and the more they keep saying it. And the more that their 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 legions, their dozens of trolls on Twitter want to be like, yeah, this lift thing's great. Just because they tell you it's great, go on the secondary ticket market. Go on YouTube and see how many people are actually watching this fucking thing. It is it is an abysmal failure of uh, By the way, just my skin crawl. By the way, if if you want to know which one's trending up and down, watch both. Watch a PGA tour tournament and then watch yeah, Liv. watch the President's Cup from a few weeks ago and then watch whatever the fuck's going on there now. Uh, yeah. and compare the two. Yeah, watch watch the tour championship final round and then go watch this. Like, golf is not a fucking team sport. And they're making teams like DJ made $3 because his team scored He made more. $18 million over five tournaments. Most of that money was from, quote-unquote, team efforts. That, like, he won one, but the team won three. Won $18 million over, yeah, like, five tournaments. That's not tournaments. the way golf works. The guy with the lowest score wins. That's the, that's the name of the game. So speaking of women on stilts playing the violin, have you ever been to medieval times? If you have, I'm really sorry. Didn't you bring me to one when I was a kid? <sighs> I did. I took a field trip there in sixth grade. I, I, wah, wah, I, wah. I did. It's it's the Epcot Center of of, of team of uh, theme dinners. Good, and good turkey legs, though. Medieval times has unionized in New Jersey. The uh, stable hands, the performers, uh, because they had been treated reprehensibly, according to people, um, according to to them, and they were treated very poorly. So they unionized in a 26 to 11 vote in uh, New Jersey, the one that I did take Zach to, at, against my will. And so Medieval Times Performers United uh, is the name of the union, and the company is suing them for copyright infringement we're using the terms medieval times, which it's hard to have a union and not mention the name of where you're unionized, but that's what they've done. The company has said that it is, quote, threatening the established goodwill of medieval times by including the chain's name and, and medieval-themed lo- uh, imagery in its logo. They say the font is the same. Really, the only difference between the restaurant, the, oh, and it creates consumer confusion. And it's easy to be confused when it's one thing refers to the union because it says Performers United, and the other thing says it's the restaurant. Um, the union has claimed this is a frivolous lawsuit meant to intimidate employees, which it clearly does is intended to do. Um, 
if you would like to have maintain the goodwill of the general public, medieval times, why don't you not hire an anti-union consultant at the cost of $3,200 per day plus expenses? Those $4, probably $8 uh, turkey legs you're eating, um, 400 of those plus expenses go to this guy uh, whose idea was we're going to chart, we're going to sue them for having their ne- our name in their, <laughs> for putting our t- name in their mouths uh, by calling themselves Medieval Times Performers United, and they have a website, and no one's done this before. Home Depot Workers United, Home Depot did not sue them. Starbucks. Starbucks Workers United. Starbucks has been horrifying. I would drink... I would drink street water over Starbucks coffee right now, although I'd go to the I'd go to the unionized places. But Star, uh, Starbucks Worker United, Starbucks did not think to do to sue them. Trader Joe's United, they didn't. Amazon United, Amazon. Jeff Bezos thought this was beneath him, but not medieval times. So next time you're you're gonna drop down, you know, drop. Oh, what is it, about one hundred and fifty dollars a person, so you could both eat mediocre food with. Uh, with no utensils and Pepsi while, and Pepsi, <laughs> while smelling horseshit, um, just don't and 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 just go to uh, American Steakhouse instead. It's kind of the same experience. Wait, where is the Ponderosa? nearest? Where is the nearest medieval time? Just like I New think it's Jersey, it's North right? Jersey. Yeah, that, that's yes, the one, North, North Jersey. Jersey. That's the yeah. one that unionized. And there's one in California that is having a vote soon. Um, I mean. It, you know, for people that are like, well, unions are out of date. We don't need unions anymore. You blah, 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 all this and all that. You know, crap they've heard in the media and their boomer parents have said for the last 30 years they collect a steelworker pension. Um, they all say the same thing. And then you realize there's a multi-billion dollar industry that exists just to kill unions. I um, I negotiate against three. Well, I, I won't even call shipment a good man anti-union. I negotiated against two clearly anti-union law firms multiple times a week. And the individual lawyers, at least the ones, the two I'm dealing with, aren't really so bad. And I've said to both of them, you know, you work for people that want to destroy the unions, but you don't. He said, well, if they destroy the unions, I'm out of work. I negotiate against unions. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to, why would I want to destroy the unions? I need you guys to pay my bills. Um, but yeah, if, if unions didn't work, you wouldn't pay somebody $3,200 to not have them. I'm not like endorsing anybody go to a medieval times anytime soon, but if you want to like see a collection of employees, you know, a group of workers that, it, that deserve every sort of protection they can get, it's the people that work at these watch the movie, the fucking, uh, the cable guy. Cable. Remember that scene? Like yeah. look at the abject misery of this, uh, in, in this, in this Garofalo. It's, it is Janine Garofalo and that garish costume, like, uh, yeah. diet or regular or I, Mountain I, Dew, I, how I, many I, turkey legs? I, and you I, have people on the fucking, you know, in, you know, the jousting and stuff. Like, I'm sure it's all like a work, but it's still like, people can we, call, can we miser- it looks so miserable. Can we edit in a, a medieval times commercial? <laughs> it's like, um, are we gonna- <laughs> it's, um, you know, I just feel for the guys that for seven years have to shoe, shoe the horses, and then after that they have to cut them, cook them, and serve them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I yeah. mean, the, the only part I enjoyed about going to medieval times when I was a kid, and this is like deep in the memory banks because I was like six when we went, 
is the turkey legs, which is the only reason I like going to Disney. I like eating meat on a bone, but that's it. it they gave you like a Dixie cup size of Pepsi <laughs> and, um, and a turkey leg the size of a child's face. The, the, um, I would say that the biggest difference between my experience of that and your experience of that is that I had to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> at a time when I didn't have very much money. And I like, I mean, but to to give me the jousting is really cool. Oh yeah, jousting is awesome. Sure. Uh, if you saw like, I just don't want to, have to pay a hundred and fifty dollar cover. But like, if if there was jousting like the Big E, oh, I'd go. Oh, I'd go right. Yeah, yeah. If there's professional jousting, like put it on ESPN. If pickleball can have a major league, oh, jousting. why can't jousting? Jousting's better than pickle- pickleball's brutal to watch. It's. It's worse tennis. How pickleball missed the rants this week, I don't know. um, It's it's just worse tennis. So some of us are scared of angry horses running around our food, but some of us are scared about what this next election may bring. And we'll be back right after the commercials to talk about that. Today, there's a beer for everyone. Hey, me and the guys are going out for beer. You want to come along? Nah, I got a lot of data to enter into the computer tonight. Now, there's a brew for the future. Want me to bring you something back? Thanks, but I got some right here. Microsoft Brew. You got a beer tap on your computer? With a head so thick, you can float a mouse on it. Let me get this straight. You make your own beer with the computer? With the right software, you can do anything. Microsoft Brew. Here, I call this one Windows 95. I don't know. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And if you got to get there quicker, try the new ISDN malt liquor. So welcome back. So let me bring you back to the first Wednesday in November of 2016. I'm driving to work. I'm not happy. It was a very bad day in Connecticut. It was a very. I went to a victory party for someone who lost. Not a good thing to do. And then that was not the worst part of the day. And the next uh, Wednesday I'm coming in and Zach calls me. Because Zach had just taken a job as a full-time lobbyist. And Donald Trump had just won. And he said, oh, God, the labor movement's dead. You remember that call? Yeah, I was not in a good place on Wednesday. Uh, right. On and, that and, Wednesday. And what I said to him was, no, you have the right job in labor. Because communications and politics turn the, turn the lights out. You're the last two people they have working for you. Like, there's a president, and then there's the political guy and the communications guy. Um, and it turned out not to be the death of labor um, because, you know, we just organized medieval times. But my question is, what is it that you are most afraid about waking? What is the first thing if, if the 8th goes badly, November 8th, what is the thing you're worried about when you wake up on November 9th? It'll be your first thought. You know. I've thought a lot about this election because, like, every election, you always hear, this is the most important election we've ever had. This is the most important election we've ever had. We have to get these people elected. This is the most important election. And it gets tiring because every election can't be the most important election. However, this is the first election for federal office that we've had since an insurrection occurred. And the majority of Republican candidates that are running— do not believe Joe Biden was the rightful winner of 2022. These are the people who are going to be making the decision on who becomes president in 2024. 
this election does feel a little different. It feels like the stakes are a little more ramped up for this one. And if we wake up with a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican court, and Joe Biden's our backstop, we're going to all feel like shit. I'm less worried about that because, I mean, Joe Biden has been a good backstop. I mean, Joe Biden's been he's been fine. He's still I, all right. I think he's been better. He's hanging in. I think he's been better and fine. I think he's, I mean. By the way, did you see, speaking of spooky season, Fox News used a voicemail of Joe Biden calling Hunter Biden to scare the hell out of their viewers, where Joe Biden called, did you listen to that voicemail? No. This is actually a part of what I really want to get into here. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you want to just get into it now? I mean, no. All right, then we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's basically, it's, it's basically it's, it's a weeded. loving, it's basically a father sending a loving, like, plea to his son to be like, just get help, please, like, I love you. And Fox News is like, what an asshole. Portraying it as, like, a sign of weakness that this father cares about his son's well-being. Like, right. Because, wow. because Donald Trump has, does, doesn't care about it. Donald no. Trump couldn't pick <laughs> Eric Trump out of a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he knows Don because he has to keep buying him coke. If, if you line up Eric, Don Jr. with, like, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed, he's just, he'd be like, the golfers. Those, those are my sons. Those are my real sons. Yeah. DJ and Brooks. The thing, the thing I worry about is that I'm less worried that the, that the Senate's well, going to— it's not what worries you. It's, it's what scares, scares you. I, I'm less scared that the Senate is going to turn or— the house is going to get out of control because because Biden's there and we'll see. But what scares me is the entire country is dependent on the Arizona uh, attorney general race. Oh, secretary of state or secretary of state race. The entire the entire right. country is hinging right on these secretary of state races, which as a you know I mean this is a political podcast uh, you know. Uh, Zach works in politics. I spent a lot of time in politics. It's like Secretary of State is a race that, like, we almost sit out of in Connecticut. It's like, yeah, that's fine. It's like the fourth most important race in our state. I mean, we had a state senator who wanted to run for Secretary of State, and Labor didn't really back him because they thought he was more important as a state senator for our issues. I mean, it was just like, and and he is. Um, But... That, there are these weird races, you know, the Pennsylvania governor's race, like the the the, the Arizona governor's race, the Arizona governor's race. But it's like, but there are all these small ra- these races in places that are far away. I finally had to just stop giving money to people because you know I can't. I mean, I can't bankrupt myself because I have to, you know, because Shapiro's got to win in, in Pennsylvania or the, or the country falls apart. But if Shapiro doesn't win in Pennsylvania, the country falls apart. Like it's, it's, it's why it's the scariest election, because there are so many. Like it's like playing Jenga, if seventy five percent of the pieces just knock you to the ground. Like like you can't find a piece that's not knocking you to the ground. Yeah, like this. What scares the hell out of me? So, so let's get into it here about what scares us in this election cycle. What scares us about potentially November 9th? Um, the two races, but are also issues that scare the hell out of me. Because I know we've divided this episode into people and issues that scare us. Is 
uh, Kari Lake and Doug Mastriano uh, scare the hell out of me. Um, Kari Lake is a smoother, more polished QAnon candidate that I've ever seen, and she's going to win. And if she wins and if the Arizona Secretary of the State wins, the Republican, it doesn't matter who the Democrats vote for. They're not sending Democratic delegates. And the same in Pennsylvania. If Oz and Mastriano win, but especially if Mastriano wins, and Mastriano is a full-on QAnon person. And a Nazi. And a Nazi. He's on gas. And he's like two points back. Right, I mean. Like, what the fuck are we doing? How are we, like. If they win, it scares me as a country for what we stand for because it means, I'm a, like, if, especially if the House goes Republican and the numbers it's going to, it means a majority of this country is okay with election denialism. Well, to be fair, Democrats have to win. Overall, Democrats have to win House seats, I think, like 57, 40. Like, 57% of the House votes have to go to Democrats nationally for the Democrats to win because it's so frighteningly gerrymandered. Now, I want to I see... I want to hear what Andrew... I want to hear what Andrew has to say. About, about Hunter like, Biden. Well, also just He's like... He's scared of Hunter Biden. Also, the least political out of the... The least political out of the three of us. Like, I live in this. I have, I have to read these news stories for work. Like, I have to be inundated with this. It's what I do for a living. But you have the joy of, like, not having to do that. Not that you don't, because you still do. I live in, I live, but I do live in fear every day, so this this uh, yep. this is a good conversation for me. <laughs> uh, look, the thing, the thing for me, and this kind of encapsulates everything we've talked to up to this point, and what we'll probably talk to like after this. But what scares me the most is how, in the days after, the months after, um, I have never been more terrified at this point of like our news media apparatus and what like our print and broadcast ma- quote unquote mainstream news outlets are um, putting forth as news. Um, you mentioned, you know, when Fox news is Fox news, it's not like, it's not some fringe thing like the Hunter Biden thing to put that on air as like a, as a, as a scare tactic to like, do you, this is your president. This what thoughtful, loving, doting father who has a son with some problems that his, hope his son gets. And this is like, this is this is like you should be afraid of this. This is your president doing this. Like that's what the fuck are you fuck? Are you, you should be afraid you of em- you should be afraid of empathy. Afraid of empathy. Well, um, yes. I I mean that's literally the Republicans' position. You, empathy you, is for losers because that's Trump's position. You know, empathy is for losers. Sympathy is for losers. Caring about other people is for losers. And somehow half the country is there. And Fox doesn't stop there. Every night, it's it's it, they'll have and it's they they bring them on as a parent, a parent that is in uh in an uproar about CRT or in an uproar about um the gender discourse in in public schools, and that person is never merely a parent. That person is a is a serious right wing is an activist. They're somebody, a donor. They're a, usually a donor. Like donors. Somebody involved in that right wing movement. It's not just even like you have outlets like the New York Times that are printing that I've seen printing things on their editorial pages that are completely like dismissive of the January 6th committee before the committee really even has gotten like, all right, now they've they finally, uh, what, subpoenaed Trump? Subpoena Trump. Finally subpoenaed Trump. And these editorials are like, it, it's the, the New York Times of all outlets are suggesting that like, well, nothing to see here. Like it's, 
Really? Like, what, what, what is the... They're of, shitting on the integrity of this thing what, before it even really gets going. One of the things that scares me is, like, watching Fox News is a choice. You know what you're getting at this point, <laughs> right? Now, it scares me that the vast majority, I mean, Dan Pfeiffer mentions this all the time, you will never go into a Republican Senate office or congressional office where Fox News is not. I this mean, is what they would believe the world you is. Can't, you can't go into a diner and right. not see Fox News on the television. Right. But but it's not the Fox Newsness of it that bothers me so much. It is that the mainstream media is compl- like not Fox News, but the like the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CNN is completely incapable of understanding how to behave in a world where one party, and I'm not saying the Democrats don't you know, ever lie or, or don't always shade their, their 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 comments to their positions. Anti Pelosi exists. But but it's it's rare to see every Democrat jump out in in an obvious falsehood. You know, Kevin McCarthy, who is was screaming at Trump, I'm going to get fucking killed. You need to do something now denies that that was a big deal. That that you just don't see that on the other side, and they don't know what to do with it. Um, I nearly ran it about the fact that the AP was, a, was the organization that ran this story of Dr. Oz and this uh, black woman uh, who was in an audience talking about gun violence, and she's crying about how hard it is to live with the gun violence that's around her, and, and Oz comes over, and he sits next to her. He holds her hand. He wipes her tears away. He says, this must be very hard. He's so empathetic. He's so kind. It's like, you know, I mean, this kind of ran against the he, he uh, tortured puppies story. And it just runs. And then it's like, oh, she's a staffer. She She's on their payroll. This woman's not just crying. She worked for him. And he knows who she is. Um, and... They don't know what to do with that. They don't. They don't check. They don't. They don't yeah, do anything. I, I, and then they run a retraction, but they may not run the retraction because they look stupid. And it's like we don't. The, our, we have a media apparatus who a functions on conflict on re, on conflicts where both sides come in, but doesn't. But then fades away from saying. But our responsibility is the truth. So would you say the both sideism scares you? The the failure of the media to adopt to a post Trump world scares oh, me completely. That's my and that is my biggest fear. It's the idea that we have normalized all of these very abnormal things, and that in the wake of these elect, where we could have the Kari Lakes and the Mastrianos in office, like how much further are we going to um, normalize the abnormal? Where like these people being elected to federal office is fucking abnormal. Yeah, for, for and yet for four years, Laura had a posted note. Uh, my wife Laura. Uh, had a post-it note on her computer that just simply said, this is not normal uh, because the news normalizes what is the abnormal by just beating us over the head with it over and over again. So the fact that we end up being like the frog and the crock in the boiling water, getting the temperature turned up every little bit until we don't notice it and we die, like this this is like, this is not a normal election. Wait. When, like, th- there are there are people, the majority of the Republican Party does not believe 
the president of the United States was rightfully elected, and they are going to act on this. We, like, the thing that scares the hell out of me is everybody is so fucking complacent about what these people are saying. They are telling us what they're going to do. Most politicians don't lie. They tell you what they're going to do, and then they fucking do it. Like, Brian Kemp said he was going to make it harder for people to vote, and then he made it harder for people to vote. Doug Mastriano is saying he's not going to certify electors. He is not going to certify electors. Well, what our country is not built for when that happens because we've literally never seen it. We don't know what fascism actually is in our country and we're staring down the barrel of it and we're all acting like this is fine. You know, the the fact that every news outlet, just every news outlet allows Republican legislators, state senators, commentators, anybody, call, use the word Biden regime and never says, why did you use the word regime? You never said that with Trump. Why? Now, the other thing they is- They never said it with Obama. Right. Yeah. The other thing is, of course, that they've, that they're fighting for relevance because, you know, um, Dr. Oz never does anything- in which people are allowed. Neither does Mastriano. You can't, you, uh, normal news outlets cannot get in there. Ron Johnson will not go on, uh, he, he'll go on Meet the Press because Chuck Todd's there, but he's not going to go on a normal show because he can't handle a follow-up question because he knows he's telling a lie. Did you see the clip of him last night in, his, in that debate um, with the lieutenant governor who's against him? The final question was, say something about your opponent that you admire. Right. And his opponent, um, his name... Which, Mandela Barnes. Which is a standard question. Standard question. The, you know you're going to get it. Mandela Barnes. Mandela Barnes. Thank you. Mandela Barnes says, you know what? Ron Johnson, from what I can tell, is a family man. He Everything he does, he acts for, in the best interest of his family. I admire a family man. Cool. Great. Um, Ron, go back to Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson goes, yeah, I guess I can say the same thing about my, my opponent, but he's also anti-American. He's un- He's he's an, he's. I forget the exact words. He said he's anti-American. He's anti-American. And um, he did. And he got he got fucking booed. Also, um, you know, which is you know then, delightful. But but, but but the questions the, the questions the media always poses. I mean, there are a million articles. Is is uh, Mandela Barnes too far left for Wisconsin? And there are no articles. Is has Ron Johnson become too far right for? Wisconsin. There's zero. Which, by the way, is a question that should be asked considering the progressive movement as we know it today began in Wisconsin. Began in Wisconsin. Like, and, 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 like, the other Wisconsin senators are Democrat. Like, they're, they're, Wisconsin votes for Democrats. It was a, It's a swing state. They voted for Biden. They voted for Biden over, yeah. They, so, it wasn't overwhelming. It was, like, five points. Laverne and Shirley were, like, union uh they were union. They were uh, union, union workers. Bre- in union brew- brewery workers. Yeah, Emily Wakai. Sure. As as uh, as what did he say? As the oh. Indian, as, yes. as our native uh, ancestors yeah. call it, um, uh, the good land, the good land. Yeah. So what I'm scared of, one of the things I'm scared of, is are we going to wake up? Are are there millions of people who are going to wake up on November 9th? And realize that they they're not only the hunted, but they've been caught. Um, I was door knocking uh, for a, a state senate candidate a couple of days ago, 
Well, Jen Hockadel, if you live in Connecticut 13th. And I'm knocking on this door. There's this guy in the front yard. Uh, I'm supposed to see a woman. She's 81. This guy's got to be like 83. He's walking this little door. And I said, hey, how you doing? I'm here. And I said, thanks. And he looks at it and looks at the, the, the literature and just starts screaming at me. I didn't go to Vietnam so that I could die and people could then so people and so people have the right to say, "Oh, I don't feel like I'm a man. I'm a girl. I'm a, I feel like a woman." You know, I didn't go there for that. And he screamed at me about trans rights and and the existence of trans people for 5 minutes. Ten years ago, nobody thought about it. Does he have any idea why he actually went to Vietnam? Does he have any idea, like what actually? Like, well, no, he went to Vietnam. You know, you know, I went to Vietnam. You know, I went. You started this running like you went to Vietnam because you were a proxy uh, war. Right, you were a pawn. You you went to Vietnam because you had no fucking choice. You were drafted. Like the, that's why you went Wait, to Vietnam. It wasn't like you. Cho- you wasn't like you volunteered. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, and I said to him, "Thank you for your service." I did not go to war, but. Can you imagine, first of all, he mentioned Vietnam many, many times. The latest he could have left Vietnam was 46 years ago. So this seems like therapy might be a thing. And the other thing was just like, can you imagine being so angry, so angry, that you're willing to yell at a stranger for seven minutes because there are people who feel un- who feel that they, that they are uncomfortable with their, their gender assignment. But, like, like, you know, have I, did I at some point in my life go through the eye rolling phase? Yes, I did. And I, but I learned because I, you know why? Because I've met trans people. That's why. That's why I'm different. I met trans people. This guy's never met anyone, and it infuriates him. And we see this with really with trans people, but we're seeing it increasingly with the Jews. Where anti-Jewish people, where anti-Semitism is just so normalized now that Kanye West is feels absolutely free to talk about it. The record label's not saying, well, I'm dropping you. It's like, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. You're anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, black women, um, all of these things. Have you ever seen a Republican ad in which, well, in which AOC wasn't featured, but there are anti-Johanna Hayes uh, ads running in Connecticut. Johanna Hayes is the um, yeah, uh, Congresswoman from the fifth district. She's uh, been in the race. Uh, she's been there twice. She's former teacher of the year, um, and they darken her skin. Like they don't even hide, they don't even hide it. Like they, they just darken her skin. Yeah, the that ad. old that's an old trope though. They've been doing that for years. I understand, but like the fact is, there was a time when people kind of where, where people kind of stepped back from that a little bit. Just step back from it. Said, well, the world's advanced, and it's like, oh no, no, it hasn't. Actually, people are just, you know, angrier, and because of because of voter suppression, because of gerrymandering, because of democratic disinterest at some level, that we are going to become a minor, minority-run party 
in no time at all unless we're super careful. And if we don't win this election, the presidential election won't matter because because you'd have to win 70 states. Uh, well, you can't win 70. We'd you'd have, have to, to win, win 70% like- of the states in order to get enough states to send the actual legislators, uh, the actual electors, and we have a Supreme Court that will never overrule you because, what, five of the last six Supreme Court justices have been appointed by people who lost a, jo- a popular vote? Yeah, and... On, that's, 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 that's the number. It's five of the last six. On the anti-Semitism, like, you know, I'm married to a Jewish woman. I'm we, marrying a Jew. We are both anti-gun. Um, I have never really seen the point of owning anything that can take the life of another person in seconds. Um, but because of the rise of anti-Semitism, we have had hard discussions, and they are hard discussions because, you know, as husband of a Jewish woman, I'm fucking terrified by this rise of anti-Semitism because I don't want anything bad to happen to her. But we've had hard discussions about owning a gun and about like, because I'm like, my my feeling is if they come for you, I'm like, I'm, I'm going down fighting. Like, this is not going to be 1932 Germany where they're just dragging you out of the house. Like, they're taking me out in a body bag if they come for you. And that's where we are in 2022 is anti-Semitism in the United States is that people actually have to have those conversations about what we would do to protect our loved ones. The the more time, the divisiveness, and just how everything, you know, you would have thought it, it, it you would have thought that it kind of, like, peaked during Obama, because obviously the, the fucking bullshit racial rhetoric of that. The birtherism. It's, birtherism. You, you, you would have thought, I would have liked to have thought, that that was where we kind of... The divisiveness kind of peaked there, and it, it it has only gotten the vitriol and just the gasoline on that like kind of metaphorical fire has just gotten so much like this, we're fucking we're fucking broken. It's it's our politics are are, are pretty broken on a national level. Our country is broken. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying it has. It's not even our politics. It's our, our country. Our people are broken. Our people. Our we, cul- we, our culture. Yeah, our national. Our national culture. We have become. We have become a deeply unserious people. The only thing we export anymore as a culture is like hatred. It's hatred in Marvel movies. Yes, yeah, Scorsese like, had some shit to say about that the other night. Like Sit, that, is, that is that is the later. extent of American culture right now is fucking Marvel movies or Dahmer documentaries. So, like, there is no cohesive binding agent in our culture that brings us together anymore. You know, and I'm so sick of hearing these fucking people on the right, and they're always on the right. They're never on the left. They're always on the right saying, well, I just want us to come together again. Well, what does that look like? Because I believe abortion's a right, and you think there should be no abortion. I believe gay marriage is a right. You don't believe gay people deserve a right to exist. I believe trans people have a right to exist. You don't. Where is the fucking middle well, ground? I, there is no goddamn middle ground anymore. I used I used to be so annoyed when I was a teacher, and these teachers would stand up and say, "We just need everyone needs to be consistent." And I, and I would stand up and say, "All right, here's what I'll do. I will put out my list of rules, and everyone can adopt them, and they're going to be consistent." Oh, you don't like that? No, you want you to put your list of rules out. And then I'll follow them, and then we'll be consistent. That ain't the way the world works, except it's kind of become that. I want to I end my comments on this, and I want to get both your opinions. Because there is a very, very real possibility 
now that the Dobbs decision came down and, and, Roe, and, and Roe v. Wade is overturned, that there's a very real possibility in the next year that we see a federal abortion ban. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. No, if, because, because because Biden would Biden, Biden won't Biden won't sign it, but we're we're gonna have to but, deal but it with. Won't that. Be, but it won't be overturned. Well, we're gonna have they, to deal they, they with. That. We're gonna have to deal with as a country yeah, what it looks like threat. when yeah. a federal abortion ban is passed. Now, Biden, who is pro-life, he is. His record on abortion is awful. He's been good on it in his presidency, but he is a pro-life president. He said so much in a vice presidential debate in twenty in two thousand twelve. But, he's also a guy. He's also a guy who changes. I, yes. I, I just I believe that. I, I and he's been like I said, he's been good this year, and I think he would veto a federal abortion ban. Yeah, well, Kamala would kill him. But, but, yeah. what is, but we could wake up in a country where on November 9th, millions of women are at risk of that happening. Well, mil- no. I mean, millions, millions of women of, are already uh, at mi- risk. Mi- mi- millions of women have seen it happen. Yeah. Um, I just. Again, I just, I'm less worried. I think, I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful on the Senate and um, less hopeful in the House, but I'm hopeful on the Senate. We're going to have 8 million Hunter Biden investigations. It's going to be Benghazi on steroids. They're going to impeach Biden. They'll impeach Biden, which, would, you know, I mean, they're, the, and, and, it's, and, and we're just, be, we have become a laughing stock in the world. Like we just have. Um, the last thing I'm really worried about is we have we have become an oligarchy, and it's becoming when Peter Thiel and by the way Republicans claim it too, but they only point to George Soros, who's like, and the only reason they point to Soros is anti-Semitism because he's, he's a Jew, he's Jewish. It's anti-Semitism, and you know Marco Rubio, you know who quotes the Bible. Every other tweet plays that trope up to the hilt. My least favorite human being is Marco Rubio. I mean, depending on the day, but most days it's Marco Rubio. Um, today, but no, not today. Not today. Uh, but but uh, that's why I, th- I corrected myself. But midnight soon. When we see yeah. Peter Thiel pump tens of millions of dollars into JD Vance and Blake McMaster. Who have no business visiting the Senate, never mind being in it, um, and able to outspend people at an incredible amount. Um, J.D. Vance, who said that he viewed Alex Jones as a more responsible journalist than Rachel Maddow. Like, oh my God! I mean, just think about <laughs> Jesus that. Jesus Christ! And he said, "This is what happens when you attack the regime." We are very close. And uh, look, Peter Thiel, who is a gay man, does not agree on ninety percent of the cultural issues. He doesn't give a shit about the cultural issues. He's too rich to be effective. Herschel Walker's pro-life. He's paid for multiple abortions. He doesn't give a shit, right? This is just a trope to get you into office because evangelical Christians are the most gullible people on the goddamn planet. Um, Ruining our country. And, and actually, they're not even gullible. They'll swallow the hypocrisy as long as whites, are, whites win at the end. I mean, that's really all it is. 
I don't yeah, care. I I, th- I don't think it's a coincidence that the evangelical prayer looks eerily similar to the Nazi salute. But aren't you like small donor donations have become a, a huge issue because a people uh, get incredible wealth. The guy who's running against Marjorie Taylor Greene should be in jail. He has a 0% chance of winning. He's just keeping all the money because you can now because the Supreme Court said you could you could just keep it. And, you know, so it's not just one side. But the amount of power. I mean, who's the most important person in American politics in the last 50, year, 50 years? It's Rupert Murdoch. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, he created an entire empire that has got us to this point. Where and this is I'm not trying to celebrate Liz Cheney and even like Kinzinger necessarily, but like in the over the last decade, ten maybe more, like if we just had like a few handful of maybe some conservatives with a little bit of principle, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of just fucking I don't know decency, which I feel like we've had in history. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Low Waker. This is this is what the Republican Party has to offer. This is this is the best. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, seriously, like, are, 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 if if you're a principled intellectual conservative out there with some money, should you not be fucking trying to combat this this garbage, this but, filth? But you can't, you can't, because that's where the small do- donor donations just swallow you, because because they'll give money to people who don't have eight dollars for your name. We'll give the five they do have to Donald Trump. So this was a very uplifting episode. I feel really good about our country right now. Well, and um, You know what I feel good about? Everybody listening to this podcast, if you don't vote, don't ever listen to an episode again. Yeah, you got to vote. And even though it's in Connecticut and the stakes, this is like for me negotiating with teachers. It's like the stakes are pretty low because the ceiling's low, the floor is high. We're fine. We're just – but um, – no, you got to vote, uh, and and if you have the money to contribute to races out of state, uh, you know there's a there's a bunch of them that really really affect your life in ways you cannot imagine. Yeah, and with Carrie, that, Carrie Hobbs, John Fetterman, Josh Shapiro, those are just uh, yeah uh, yeah uh, uh, Cortez uh, uh, Cortez Matos, Mastro Cort uh, Mastro Cortez in Nevada. Yeah, Mastro Cortez. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, yes, so if you could do that, that would be great. But make sure you vote, and we will see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you liked today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. All right, so to kick off the ranch for this week, I am going to do an update on uh, former New York Jet great Brett Favre's legal drama um, happening in Mississippi. 
Uh, if you missed my last rant, long story short, he committed welfare fraud by misappropriating funds to go to a building a volleyball center and a wellness center at his uh, Mississippi Southern University of Southern University Miss. Of, yeah, his daughter's thank you uh, University yeah. of Southern Miss. And uh, since then, uh, text messages have come out, and Brett Favre has issued a response. Uh, the text messages that came out included one that I'll paraphrase. But was essentially, can the media find out where I'm getting this money from? Right. That was you saw that text. I did. He was like, he was like, can can anyone track this for the media to see where this money? So hmm. that's what you would call a red flag. If he, because he he then went on in his response to claim he knew nothing about this. He thought that this all was done legally. Um, that state employees and state attorneys had looked at this. All he was trying to do was to better uh, the his alma mater. And most importantly, uh, he claimed that this was a smear campaign by the media. So, gentlemen, <laughs> it's a smear campaign or smoke? Brett, spoiler alert. Nobody's fucking thinking about you. Like, you, you, don't, you don't smear people you have forgotten about. Who's Who are we smearing next? Um Let's see. Kenny Stabler. We're going to start smearing Kenny Stabler. That's fi- a fine defense for someone who never saw any of the text messages whatsoever, where he clearly knows it's against the law, and he's worried they're going to find out. He says, is it going to be a problem if they find, you know, uh, I'm worried they're going to find where the money came from, yeah. like he says it. He also managed to divert large amounts of his cancer charity money to the Southern Miss. Program. Oh, he also did. It's got to be the best funded Conference USA sport of all. It gets more money than the football team. He, he also denied that he didn't give speeches that he clearly didn't give and is getting sued over. Yeah, I, I don't think this goes back to our CTE discussion of last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, but I think uh, he's a bad person. Like, I just love the thought of a media campaign when the New York media, when he sent a dick pic to a reporter didn't really treat that as a big story it was kind of in the news and out of the news and like it was like an in-house reporter it was yeah. like an intern for the yeah. jets that was doing some you know media stuff um jen sturger and yeah that was yeah, nothing to see here uh, their hands it and it's all good the new york media yeah. the always soft uh soft-handed new york media right. woof um so this week live golf is back in their kind of like native Native land. I mean, it'd be easy to call like Liv's headquarters any Trump course in this country, but I mean, I guess the headquarters are Saudi Arabia. And where is this week's event? It's in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. It's almost like Ponte Vedra Beach, but for Liv. Um, Phil Mickelson met the media earlier this week, and let's just say the only thing more outlandish, more uh, cringeworthy than his comments were the the henna tattoo. That you can kind of make out on his left hand. That tattoo is about, if you can see, like, between my thumb and it's, like, in that space there. And it's literally, if you, if, in the last several years, the logo that's adorned his apparel is him. The famous jump at the 2004 Masters where he hits the final putt on the 72nd hole and he jumps about four inches off the ground with both <laughs> hands up in, like, triumph. And, like, that's, you know, been on his shirts and hats for all these years. And now uh, it has to be because nobody will actually, you know, sponsor him. He's got to use his own logo. Um, well, now he's got that tattooed, you know, 53-year-old man with a hand tattoo of his um, <laughs> jump, his own, you know, uh, van- vanity jump man logo. Good for him. Pretty cool. 
Jerry West. Yeah, just sure. Got, Jerry West just got a tattoo of the NBA logo on his on his uh, left butt cheek. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true? I, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, really quickly, on Mickelson, because I, I I don't want to spend even too much time glorifying a lot of his comments because a lot of his comments to me uh, reflect a point that I made months back, where Liv is becoming increasingly like um, the republic, the the kind of. Not even the fringe voices, the, vo- the 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 mainstream voices of the Republican Party in in twenty twenty two. They're the they're the MAGA golf tournament. What's happening now, and it's it's Phil Mickelson getting up there and talking to the press and saying that I I, I believe I'm on the right side. I believe this this outfit live is trending up. The PGA Tour is trending down. Which, if you look at any any statistic, anything, attendance, viewership, anything, uh, social media interaction, it's just completely untrue. Just a complete falsehood. But he's up there, you know, parroting this company line that, again, they could not give away fucking tickets to any of their American stops the, in the last the, couple of months. The the the, the you tickets could get a have, th- the tickets at Bedminster were a fucking dollar. You could get a three day pass for a dollar. <laughs> Same in Chicago. Right. Um, again, you have this morning, just this morning, and again, it's the wee hours, whatever. You got Brooks Kepka on the, you know, flirting with fifty nine, and you've got this woman. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, playing like a fucking violin on stilts, and there's 17,000 people on YouTube watching this thing, this abomination. You're going to tell me that this is is the one that's trending forward and the PGA's, PGA Tour is trending back? No, not to this observer. And I will say this. Listen, if, if Mickelson wants to say, I'm having the most fun of my career and this and that, I don't believe him for a second, number one. Number two, if, you, if that's why you're doing this, man, you guys have a fucking ball. Like, ball out, have fun. Cash those checks. I don't give a fuck. But when you, if you're gonna try to like tell me that this is a success in on, on a on a on a grand scale on a broader scale than your own personal enjoyment, brother, miss me with that because that is it's bullshit. It's it's it and it's almost like they're talking themselves into these. They're trying to make these lies into truths. And the more they keep saying it, and the more that their 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 legions, their dozens of trolls on Twitter want to be like, yeah, this live thing is great. Just because they tell you it's great, go on the secondary ticket market. Go on YouTube and see how many people are actually watching this fucking thing. It is it is an abysmal failure of... Uh, by the way... Just my skin crawl. By the way, if, if you want to know which one's trending up and down, watch both. Watch a PGA Tour tournament and then watch yeah, Live. Watch the President's Cup from a few weeks ago and then watch whatever the fuck's going on there now uh, yeah. and compare the two. Yeah, watch, watch the Tour Championship final round and then go watch this. Like... Golf is not a fucking team sport. And they're making teams like DJ made $3 because his team scored more. He made $18 more. million dollars over five tournaments. Most of that money was from, quote-unquote, team efforts. That Like, he won one, but the team won three. Won $18 million over, yeah, like, five tournaments. That's not tournaments. the way golf works. The guy with the lowest score wins. That's the, that's the name of the game. So, speaking of women on stilts playing the violin, have you ever been to Medieval Times? If you have, I'm really sorry. Didn't you bring me to one when I was a kid? <sighs> I did. I took a field trip there in sixth grade. I, I, wah, wah, I, wah. I did. It's it's the Epcot Center of of, of team of uh, theme dinners. Good, and good turkey legs, though. Medieval Times has unionized in New Jersey the uh, stable hands, the performers, uh, because they had been treated reprehensibly, according to people, um, according to to them, and they were treated very. Poorly. So they unionized in a 26 to 11 vote in uh, New Jersey, the one that I did take Zach to uh, against my will. And 
So Medieval Times Performers United uh, is the name of the union, and the company is suing them for copyright infringement for using the terms Medieval Times, which it's hard to have a union and not mention the name of where you're unionized, but that's what they've done. The company has said that it is, quote, threatening the established goodwill of Medieval Times by including the chain's name and... and medieval-themed imagery in its logo. They say the font is the same. Really, the only difference between the restaurant... Oh, and it creates consumer confusion. And it's easy to be confused when it's one thing refers to the union because it says Performers United, and the other thing says it's the restaurant. Um, The union has claimed this is a frivolous lawsuit meant to intimidate employees, which it clearly is intended to do. Um, if you would like to have maintain the goodwill of the general public, medieval times, why don't you not hire an anti-union consultant at the cost of $3,200 per day plus expenses? Those $4, probably $8 uh, turkey legs you're eating, um, 400 of those plus expenses go to this guy. Uh, whose idea was we're going to chart, we're going to sue them for having their ne- our name in their, <laughs> for putting our type name in their mouths uh, by calling themselves Medieval Times Performers United, and they have a website. And no one's done this before. Home Depot Workers United, Home Depot did not sue them. Starbucks. Starbucks Workers United. Starbucks has been horrifying. I would drink... I would drink street water over Starbucks coffee right now, although I'd go to the, I'd go to the unionized places. But Star, uh, Starbucks Worker United, Starbucks did not think to, do, to sue them. Trader Joe's United, they didn't. Amazon United, Amazon, Jeff Bezos thought this was beneath him, but not medieval times. So next time you're, you're going to drop down, you know, drop, oh, what is it, about $150 a person so you could both eat mediocre food with – uh, with no utensils and Pepsi while, and Pepsi <laughs> while smelling horse shit. Um, just don't and, and, and just go to uh, American Steakhouse instead. It's kind of the same experience. Wait, where is the Ponderosa? nearest? Where is the nearest medieval time? Just like yeah, New it's, Jersey. It's North right? Jersey. Yeah, that, that's yes, one, North Jersey. Jersey. That's the yeah. one that unionized. And there's one in California that is having a vote soon. I mean, it, you know, for people that are like, well, unions are out of date. We don't need unions anymore. You blah, 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 all this and all that, you know, crap they've heard in the media and their boomer parents have said for the last 30 years they collect a steelworker pension. Um, they all say the same thing. And then you realize there's a multi-billion dollar industry that exists just, just to kill unions. I um, I negotiate against three. Well, I, I won't even call shipment a good man anti-union. I negotiated against two clearly anti-union law firms multiple times a week. And the individual lawyers, at least the ones, the two I'm dealing with, aren't really so bad. And I've said to both of them, you know, you work for people that want to destroy the unions, but you don't. He said, well, if they destroy the unions, I'm out of work. I negotiate against unions. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to, why would I want to destroy the unions? I need you guys to pay my bills. Um, but yeah, if, if unions didn't work, you wouldn't pay somebody $3,200 to not have them. I'm not like endorsing anybody go to a medieval times anytime soon, but if you want to like see 
a collection of employees, you know, a group of workers that it, that deserve every sort of protection they can get. It's the people that work at these. Watch the movie, the fucking uh, the Cable Guy. Cable. Remember that scene? Like, yeah. look at the abject misery of this. Uh, in, in this, in this Garofalo. It's, it is Janine Garofalo, <laughs> and that garish costume. Like, uh, diet or regular, Mountain Dew, how many turkey legs, and and you have people on the fucking, you know, in, you know, the jousting and stuff, like, I'm sure it's all, like, a work, but it's still, like, it looks so miserable. Can we edit in a a medieval times commercial? (laughs) It's like, um, (laughs) it's, um, you know, I just feel for the guys that for seven years have to shoe, shoe the horses, and then after that, they have to cut them, cook them, and serve them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the. The only part I enjoyed about going to medieval times when I was a kid, and this is like deep in the memory banks because I was like six when we went, is the turkey legs, which is the only reason I like going to Disney. I like eating meat on a bone, but that's it. it they gave you like a Dixie cup size of Pepsi <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and a turkey leg the size of a child's face. The, I would say that the biggest difference between my experience of that and your experience of that is that I had to pay for it (laughs) (laughs) at a time when I didn't have very much money. And I, like, I mean, but to to give medieval, jousting is really cool. Oh, yeah. Jousting is awesome. Uh, If you saw, like, I just don't want to pay a $150 cover. But, like, if, if there was jousting, like, the big E. Oh, I'd go. Oh, I'd go. Right. Yeah, yeah. If there's professional jousting, like put it on ESPN. If pickleball can have a major league, oh, jousting. why can't jousting? Jousting's better. Than pick- pickleball's brutal to watch. It's it's worse uh, tennis. How right. pickleball missed the rants this week? I don't know. I, um, it's, it's just worse tennis. So, some of us are scared of angry horses running around our food, but some of us are scared about what this next election may bring. And we'll be back right after the commercials to talk about that. Today, there's a beer for everyone. Hey, me and the guys are going out for beer. You want to come along? Nah, I got a lot of data to enter into the computer tonight. Now, there's a brew for the future. Want me to bring you something back? Thanks, but I got some right here. Microsoft Brew. You got a beer tap on your computer? With a head so thick, you can float a mouse on it. Let me get this straight. You make your own beer with the computer? With the right software, you can do anything. Microsoft Brew. Here, I call this one Windows 95. I don't know. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And if you got to get there quicker, try the new ISDN malt liquor. So welcome back. So let me bring you back to the first Wednesday in November of 2016. I'm driving to work. I'm not happy. It was a very bad day in Connecticut. It was a very. I went to a victory party for someone who lost. Not a good thing to do. And then that was not the worst part of the day. And the next uh, Wednesday I'm coming in and Zach calls me because Zach had just taken a job as a full-time lobbyist. And Donald Trump had just won. And he said, oh, God, the labor movement's dead. You remember that call? Yeah, I was not in a good place on Wednesday. Uh, right. On and, that and, Wednesday. And what I said to him was, no, you have the right job in labor because communications and politics turn the, turn the lights out. You're the last two people they have working for you. Like, there's a president, and then there's the political guy and the communications guy. Um, and it turned out not to be the death of labor um, because, you know, we just organized medieval times. But my question is, what is it that you are most afraid about 
waking what is the first thing if if the eighth goes badly november 8th what is the thing you're worried about when you wake up on november 9th it'll be your first thought you know I've thought a lot about this election because, like, every election, you always hear, this is the most important election we've ever had. This is the most important election we've ever had. We have to get these people elected. This is the most important election. And it gets tiring because every election can't be the most important election. However, this is the first election for federal office that we've had since an insurrection occurred. And the majority of Republican candidates that are running do not believe Joe Biden was the rightful winner of 2022. These are the people who are going to be making the decision on who becomes president in 2024. This election does feel a little different. It feels like the stakes are a little more ramped up for this one. And if we wake up with a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican court, and Joe Biden's our backstop, we're going to all feel like shit. I'm less worried about that because, I mean, Joe Biden has been a good backstop. I mean, Joe Biden's been... He's been fine. He's still all right. I think he's been better than fine. I think he's been better than fine. I think he's... I mean... By the way, did you see, speaking of spooky season, Fox News used a voicemail of Joe Biden calling Hunter Biden to scare the hell out of their viewers, where Joe Biden called, did you listen to that voicemail? No. This is actually a part of what I really want to get into here. All right, All right, right. Go ahead. Oh, you want to just get into it now? I mean, no. All right, then we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, basically, it's, it. it's basically it's a loving, it's basically a father sending a loving, like, plea to his son to be like, just get help, please. Like, I love you. And Fox News is like, what an asshole. Portraying it as like a sign of weakness that this father cares about his son's well-being. Like, right. Because, wow. because Donald Trump has, does, doesn't care about D- Donald <laughs> Trump couldn't pick Eric Trump out of a lineup. <laughs> like, he knows Don because he has to keep buying him coke. If, if you lined up know. Eric, Don Jr. with like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed, he's just, he'd be like, the golfers, those, those are my sons. Those are my real sons. Yeah. DJ and Brooks. The thing, the thing I worry about is that I'm less worried that the that the Senate's well, it's, not, gonna, it's not what worries you. It's, it's what scares, scares you. I, I'm less scared that the Senate is going to turn or the House is going to get out of control because because Biden's there and we'll see. But what scares me is the entire country is dependent on the Arizona. Uh, attorney general race, oh, secretary of state or secretary of state race. The entire the entire right. country is hinging right on these secretary of state races, which, as a, you know, I mean, this is a political podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Zach works in politics. I spent a lot of time in politics. It's like secretary of state is a race that, like, we almost sit out of in Connecticut. It's like, yeah, oh, that's fine. It's I, like I, the fourth most important race in our state. I mean, we had a state senator who wanted to run for secretary of state, and labor didn't really back him because they thought he was more important as a state senator for our issues. I mean, it was just like, and they and he is. Um, but that there are these weird races, you know, the Pennsylvania governor's race, like the the the, the Arizona governor's race, the Arizona governor's race. But it's like 
but there are all these small ra- these races and places that are far away. I finally had to just stop giving money to people because you know I can't. I mean, I can't bankrupt myself because I have to. You know, because Shapiro's got to win in, in Pennsylvania, or the, or the country falls apart. But if Shapiro doesn't win in Pennsylvania, the country falls apart. Like it's, it's, it's why it's the scariest election because there are so many like. It's like playing Jenga if 75% of the pieces just knock you to the ground. Like, like you can't find a piece that's not knocking you to the ground. Yeah, like this, what scares the hell out of me? So, so let's get into it here about what scares us in this election cycle, what scares us about potentially November 9th. Um, the two races but are also issues that scare the hell out of me because I know we've divided this episode into people and issues that scare us is uh, Kari Lake and Doug Mastriano uh, scare the hell out of me. Um, Kari Lake is a smoother, more polished QAnon candidate that I've ever seen, and she's going to win. And if she wins, and if the Arizona Secretary of the State wins, the Republican, it doesn't matter who the Democrats vote for. They're not sending Democratic delegates. And the same in Pennsylvania. If Oz and Mastriano win, but especially if Mastriano wins, and Mastriano is a full-on QAnon person. And a Nazi. And a Nazi. He's on gas. And he's like two points back. Right, I mean. Like, what the fuck are we doing? How are we, like, if they win, it scares me as a country for what we stand for, because it means, like, especially if the House goes Republican and the numbers it's going to, it means a majority of this country is okay with election denialism. Well, to be fair, Democrats have to win. Overall, Democrats have to win House seats, I think, like 57, 40. Like 57% of the House votes have to go to Democrats nationally for the Democrats to win because it's so frighteningly gerrymandered. Now I want to. I want to see. I want to hear what Andrew, I want to hear what Andrew has to say about, about Hunter Biden. Well, also just He's like scared of Hunter Biden. Also, the least political Terrifying. out of the the least political out of the three of us. Like I live in this. I have, I have to read these news stories for work. Like I have to be inundated with this. It's what I do for a living. But you have the joy of like not having to do that. Not that you don't, because you still do. I live in, I live, but I do live in fear every day. So this this uh, yep. this is a good conversation for me. <laughs> uh look, the thing. The thing for me, and this kind of encapsulates everything we've talked to up to this point and what we'll probably talk to like after this, but what scares me the most is how in the days after, the months after, um, I have never been more terrified at this point of like our news media apparatus and what like our print and broadcast quote unquote mainstream news outlets are um, putting forth as news. Um, You mentioned... You know, when Fox News is Fox News, it's not like it's not some fringe thing, like the Hunter Biden thing. To put that on air as like a as a, as a scare tactic to like, do you? This is your president. This what thoughtful, loving, doting father who has a son with some problems that his hope his son gets. And this is like, this is this is like you should be afraid of this. This is your president doing this. Like that's what the fuck are you fuck? Are you, you should be afraid of em- you should be afraid of empathy. Afraid of empathy. Well, um, yes. I, I mean, that's literally the Republicans' position. You, Empathy you, is for losers because that's Trump's position. 
you know, empathy is for losers. Sympathy is for losers. Caring about other people is for losers. And somehow half the country's there. And Fox doesn't stop there. Every night, it's it's it, they'll have and it's they they bring them on as a parent, a parent that is an uh in an uproar about CRT or in an uproar about um the gender discourse in in public schools. And that person is never merely a parent. That person is a is a serious right wing is an activist. They're somebody, a donor. They use donor. Donors. Somebody involved in that right wing movement. It's not just even like you have outlets like the New York Times that are printing that I've seen printing things on their editorial pages that are completely like dismissive of the January sixth committee before the committee really even has gotten like all right now they've they finally uh, what subpoena finally Trump subpoena Trump finally subpoena Trump and these editorials are like it, it's the, the New York Times of all outlets are suggesting that like well nothing to see here like it's re- really like what what is the they're the, shitting on the integrity of this thing before one, it even really gets going. One of the things that scares me is, like, watching Fox News is a choice. You know what you're getting at this point, mm-hmm. right? Now, it scares me that the vast majority, I mean, Dan Pfeiffer mentions this all the time, you will never go into a Republican Senate office or congressional office where Fox News is not. I this mean, is what they would believe the world you, you is. Can't, you can't go into a diner and right. not see Fox News on the television. Right. What? But, but... It's not the Fox Newsness of it that bothers me so much. It is that the mainstream media is compl- like not Fox News, but the like the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CNN is completely incapable of understanding how to behave in a world where one party, and I'm not saying the Democrats don't, you know, ever lie or or don't always shade their 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 comments to their positions. Anti Pelosi exists, but but it's it's rare to see every Democrat jump out in in an obvious falsehood. You know, Kevin McCarthy, who is was screaming at Trump, "I'm going to get fucking killed. You need to do something." Now denies that that was a big deal. That, that you just don't see that on the other side, and they don't know what to do with it. Um, I nearly ran it about the fact that the AP was the, was the organization that ran this story of Dr. Oz and this uh, black woman uh, who was in an audience talking about gun violence, and she's crying about how hard it is to live with the gun violence that's around her. And, and Oz comes over, and he sits next to her. He holds her hand. He wipes her tears away. He says, this must be very hard. He's so empathetic. He's so kind. It's like, you know, I mean, this kind of ran against the he, he uh, tortured puppies story. And it just runs. And then it's like, oh, she's a staffer. She She's on their payroll. This woman's not just crying. She worked for him. And he knows who she is. Um, and... They don't know what to do with that. They don't. They don't check. They don't. They don't yeah, do anything. I, I, and then they run a retraction, but they may not run the retraction because they look stupid. And it's like we don't. The, our, we have a media apparatus who a functions on conflict on re, on conflicts where both sides come in, but doesn't. But then fades away from saying. But our responsibility is the truth. So would you say the both sideism scares you? The, the failure of the media to adopt to a post-Trump world 
scares oh. me completely. That's my, And that is my biggest fear. It's the idea that we have normalized all of these very abnormal things and that in the wake of these elect, where we could have the Kari Lakes and the Mastrianos in office, like how much further are we going to um, normalize the abnormal? Where like yeah. these people being elected to federal office is fucking abnormal. Yeah, for, for, and yet, for four years, Laura had a post-it note. Uh, my wife, Laura, uh, had a post-it note on her computer that just simply said, this is not normal. Uh, because the news normalizes what is the abnormal by just beating us over the head with it over and over again. So the fact that we end up being like the frog and the crock in the boiling water, getting the temperature turned up every little bit until we don't notice it and we die, like this, this is like this is not a normal election. When, when like, th- there are there are people, the majority of the Republican Party does not believe the president of the United States was rightfully elected and they are going to act on this. We like the thing that scares the hell out of me is everybody is so fucking complacent about what these people are saying. They are telling us what they're going to do. Most politicians don't lie. They tell you what they're going to do and then they fucking do it. Like Brian Kemp said he was going to make it harder for people to vote and then he made it harder for people to vote. Doug Mastriano is saying he's not going to certify electors. He is not going to certify electors. Well, what our country is not built for when that happens because we've literally never seen it. We don't know what fascism actually is in our country and we're staring down the barrel of it and we're all acting like this is fine. You know, the the fact that every news outlet, just every news outlet allows Republican legislators, state senators, commentators, anybody, call, use the word Biden regime and never says, why did you use the word regime? You never said that with Trump. Why? Now, the other thing is- They never said it with Obama. Right. The other thing is, of course, that that they're fighting for relevance because, you know, um, Dr. Oz never does anything- in which people are allowed. Neither does Mastriano. You can't, you, uh, normal news outlets cannot get in there. Ron Johnson will not go on, uh, he, he'll go on and meet the press because Chuck Todd's there, but he's not going to go on a normal show because he can't handle a follow-up question because he knows he's telling a lie. Did you see the clip of him last night in, his, in that debate um, with the lieutenant governor who's running against him? The final question was, say something about your opponent that you admire. Right. And his opponent, um, his name... Which, Mandela which, Bart, Bart. Which, which is a standard question. Standard question. The, you know you're going to get it. Mandela Barnes. Mandela Barnes. Thank you. Mandela Barnes says, you know what? Ron Johnson, from what I can tell, is a family man. He Everything he does, he acts for, in the best interest of his family. I admire a family man. Cool. Great. Um, Ron, go back to Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson goes, yeah, I guess I can say the same thing about my, my opponent, but he's also anti-American. He's un- He's he's an, he's. I forget the exact words. He said he's anti-American. He's anti-American. And um, he did. And he got he got fucking booed. Also, um, you know, which is you know and then, delightful. But, but 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 the questions sure the questions the media always poses. I mean, there are a million articles. Is is uh, Mandela Barnes too far left for Wisconsin? And there are no articles. Is has Ron Johnson become too far right for? Wisconsin. There's zero. Which, by the way, is a question that should be asked considering the progressive movement as we know it today began in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. 
Yeah, and, and like the other Wisconsin senators are Democrat. Like they're, they're, Wisconsin votes for Democrats. It was it's a swing state. They voted for Biden. They voted for Biden over yeah. They, so it wasn't overwhelming. It was like five points. Laverne and Shirley were like union. Uh, they were union. They were uh, union, union workers. Bre- in union brew- brewery workers. Yeah, in Milwaukee. For sure. That's, as uh, as what did he say? The oh. Indians. Yes. As our native uh, ancestors yeah. call it. Um, uh, the good land. <laughs> the good land. Yeah. So what I'm scared of, one of the things I'm scared of, is are we going to wake up, are, are there millions of people who are going to wake up on November 9th and realize that they have, they're not only the hunted, but they've been caught? Um, I was door knocking uh, for a, a, a state senate candidate a couple days ago. Oh, Jen Hockadell, if you live in the Connecticut 13th. And I'm not going to the store. There's this guy in the front yard. Uh, I'm supposed to see a woman. She's 81. This guy's got to be like 83. He's walking this little door. And I said, hey, how you doing? I'm here. And I said, thing. And he looks at it and looks at the, the, the literature and just starts screaming at me. I didn't go to Vietnam. So that I could die, and people could then, so people, and so people have the right to say, "Oh, I don't feel like I'm a man. I'm a girl. I'm a, I feel like a woman." You know, I didn't go there for that. And he screamed at me about trans rights and and the existence of trans people for five minutes. Ten years ago. Nobody thought about it. Does he have any idea why he actually went to Vietnam? Does he have any idea, like, what actually... Like, well, no, he went to Vietnam. You know, you know why he went to Vietnam? You know why he went to Vietnam? You heard this running, like, you went to Vietnam because you were a proxy uh, war. Right. You were a pawn. You you went to Vietnam because you had no fucking choice. You were drafted. Like, the, that's why you went hey, to Vietnam. You. It wasn't like you... Ch- it wasn't like you volunteered. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, and I said to him, thank you for your service. I did not go to war. But can you imagine, first of all, he mentioned Vietnam many, many times. The latest he could have left Vietnam was 46 years ago. So this seems like therapy might be a thing. And the other thing was just like, can you imagine being so angry, so angry, that you're willing to yell at a stranger for seven minutes because there are people who feel un- who feel that they, that they are uncomfortable with their their gender assignment it did. But, like like you know have i did i at some point in my life go through the eye rolling phase yes i did and i but i learned cuz i you know why cuz i've met trans people that's why that's why i'm different i met trans people this case never met anyone and it infuriates him and we see this with really with trans people, but we're seeing it increasingly with the Jews. Where anti-Jewish people, where anti-Semitism is just so normalized now that Kanye West is feels absolutely free to talk about it. The record label's not saying, "Well, I'm dropping you." It's like it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. You're anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, black women. Um, all of these things. Have you ever seen a Republican ad in which? Well in which AOC wasn't featured, but 
there are anti-Johanna Hayes uh, ads running in Connecticut. Johanna Hayes is the um, fifth, yeah, uh, Congresswoman from the fifth district. She's uh, been in the race. Uh, she's been there twice. She's former Teacher of the Year, um, and they darken her skin. Like they don't even hide, they don't even hide it. Like they, they just darken her skin. Yeah, the that ad. old that's an old trope though. They've been doing that for years. I understand, but like the fact is, there was a time when people kind of. Where, where people kind of step back from that a little bit, just step back from it, said, "Well, the world's advanced," and it's like, "Oh no, no, it hasn't." Actually, people are just you know angrier, and because of because of voter suppression, because of gerrymandering, because of democratic disinterest at some level, that we are going to become a minor, minority-run party. In no time at all, unless we're super careful. And if we don't win this election, the presidential election won't matter because because you'd have to win 70 states. Uh, well, you can't win 70. You'd, you'd have, have to, to win, win 70% of the states in order to get enough states to send the actual legislators, uh, the actual electors. And we have a Supreme Court that will never overrule you because, what, five of the last six Supreme Court justices have been appointed by people who lost a, jo- a popular vote? Yeah, and... On, that's, on, that's, that's, that's the number. It's five of the last six. On the anti-Semitism, like, you know, I'm married to a Jewish woman. I'm we, marrying a Jew. We are both anti-gun. Um, I have never really seen the point of owning anything that can take the life of another person in seconds. Um, but because of the rise of anti-Semitism, we have had hard discussions. And they are hard discussions because, you know, as husband of a Jewish woman, I'm fucking terrified by this rise of anti-Semitism because I don't want anything bad to happen to her. But we've had hard discussions about owning a gun. And about like, because I'm like, my my feeling is if they come for you, I'm like, I'm, I'm going down fighting. Like, this is not going to be 1932 Germany where they're just dragging you out of the house. Like, they're taking me out in a body bag if they come for you. And that's where we are in 2022 is anti-Semitism in the United States is that people actually have to have those conversations about what we would do to protect our loved ones. The the more time, the divisiveness, and just how everything, you know, you would have thought it, it, it you would have thought that it kind of, like, peaked during Obama, because obviously the, the fucking bullshit racial rhetoric of that. The birtherism. It's, birtherism. You, you, you would have thought, I would have liked to have thought, that that was where we kind of... The divisiveness kind of peaked there, and it, it it has only gotten the vitriol and just the gasoline on that like kind of metaphorical fire has just gotten so much wor- like this, we're fucking we're fucking broken. It's it's our politics are are, are pretty broken on our national level. Our country is broken. Yeah, and, it, and I'm not saying it has. It, it, it's not even our politics. It's our, our country. Our people are broken. Our people. Our, we, cul- we, our culture. Yeah, our national. Right. Our national culture. We have become. We have become a deeply unserious people. The only thing we export anymore as a culture is like hatred. Fucking, it's hatred and Marvel movies. Yeah, so like, he had some shit to say about that the other night. Like say, that, you know, is, that is that is the later. extent of American culture right now is fucking Marvel movies or Dahmer documentaries. So like there is no cohesive binding agent in our culture that brings us together anymore. You know, and I'm so sick of hearing these fucking people on the right, and they're always on the right. They're never on the left. They're always on the right saying, well, I just want us to come together again. Well, what does that look like? 
Because I believe abortion's a right, and you think there should be no abortion. I believe gay marriage is a right. You don't believe gay people deserve a right to exist. I believe trans people have a right to exist. You don't. Where is the fucking middle well, ground? I, there is no goddamn middle ground anymore. I used I used to get so annoyed when I was a teacher, and these teachers would stand up and say, "We just need everyone needs to be consistent." And I, and I would stand up and say, "All right, here's what I'll do. I will put out my list of rules." And everyone can adopt them, and they're going to be consistent. Oh, you don't like that? No, you want you to put your list of rules out, and then I'll follow them, and then we'll be consistent. That ain't the way the world works, except it's kind of become that. I want to I want to end my comments on this, and I want to get both your opinions, because there is a very, very real possibility. Now that the Dobbs decision came down and, and, Roe, and, and Roe v. Wade is overturned, that there is a very real possibility in the next year that we see a federal abortion ban. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. No, if, because, because because Biden would Biden, Biden won't Biden won't sign it. But we're we're gonna have to but, deal but with. Be, but it won't be overturned. But we're gonna but have they, to deal they, they with. That. We're gonna have to deal with as a country yeah, what it looks like when yeah. a federal abortion ban is passed. Now, Biden, who is pro life, he is. His record on abortion is awful. He's been good on it in his presidency. But he is a pro-life president. He said so much in a vice presidential debate in twenty in two thousand twelve. But he's also a guy. He's also a guy who changes. I, yes. I, I just I believe that. I, I and he's been like I said, he's been good this year, and I think he would veto a federal abortion ban. Yeah, well, Kamala would kill him. So, but, yeah. what is, but we could wake up in a country where on November 9th, millions of women are at risk of that happening. Well, no. I mean, millions, millions of women of, are already uh, at risk. Mi- mi- millions of women have seen it happen. Yeah. Um, I just, again, I just, I'm less worried. I think, I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful on the Senate and um, less hopeful in the House, but I'm hopeful in the Senate. We're going to have 8 million Hunter Biden investigations. It's going to be Benghazi on steroids. They're going to impeach Biden. They'll impeach Biden, which would, you know, I mean, they're, the, and, and it's, and, and we're just, be, we have become a laughing stock in the world. Like we just have. Um, the last thing I'm really worried about is we have, we have become an oligarchy and it's becoming when Peter Thiel, and by the way, Republicans claim it too, but they only point to George Soros, who's like, and the only reason they point to Soros is anti-Semitism. He's, he's a Jew. He's Jewish. It's anti-Semitism. And you know Marco Rubio, you know who quotes the Bible, every other tweet, plays that trope up to the hilt. My least favorite human being is Marco Rubio. I mean, depending on the day, but most days it's Marco Rubio. Um, today, but. No, not today. Not today. Uh, okay. But, but uh, that's why I, th- I corrected myself. But <laughs> Midnight soon. When we see yeah. Peter Thiel pump tens of millions of dollars into J.D. Vance and Blake McMaster, who have no business visiting the Senate, never mind being in it, um, and able to outspend people at an incredible amount, um, J.D. Vance who said that he viewed Alex Jones 
as a more responsible journalist than Rachel Maddow. Like, oh my God! I mean, just think about Jesus that. Jesus Christ! And he said, "This is what happens when you attack the regime." We are very close. And I, look, Peter Thiel, who is a gay man, does not agree on ninety percent of the cultural issues. He doesn't give a shit about the cultural issues. He's too rich to be effective. Herschel Walker's pro-life. He's paid for multiple abortions. He doesn't give a shit, right? This is just a trope to get you into office because evangelical Christians are the most gullible people on the goddamn planet. Um, Ruining our country. And, and actually, they're not even gullible. They'll swallow the hypocrisy as long as whites are, whites win at the end. I mean, that's really all it is. I don't yeah, care. I, I, th- I don't think it's a coincidence that the evangelical prayer looks eerily similar to the Nazi salute. But aren't you, like... Small donor donations have become a, a huge issue because, A, people uh, get incredible wealth. The guy who's running against Marjorie Taylor Greene should be in jail. He has a 0% chance of winning. He's just keeping all the money because you can now because it's a Supreme Court, so you could, you could just keep it. And, you know, so it's not just one side. But the amount of power... I mean, who's the most important person in American politics in the last 50, year, 50 years? It's Rupert Murdoch. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, he created an entire empire that has got us to this point. Where, and this is, I'm not trying to celebrate Liz Cheney and even like Kinzinger necessarily, but like in the, over the last decade, 10, maybe more, like if we just had like a few handful of maybe some conservatives with a little bit of principle, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of just fucking, I don't know, decency, which I feel like we've had in history. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Lowell Weicker. This is is what the Republican Party has to offer? This is is the best? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, Seriously. Like, if, if you're a principled intellectual conservative out there with some money... Should you not be fucking trying to combat this this garbage, this but, filth? But you can't. You can't because that's where the small do- donor donations just swallow you. Yeah. Because Fair. because they'll give money to people who don't have $8 to their name will give the five they do have to Donald Trump. So this was a very uplifting episode. I feel really good about our country right now. Well, and um, You know what I feel good about? Everybody listening to this podcast, if you don't vote, don't ever listen to an episode again. Yeah, you got to vote. And even though it's in Connecticut and the stakes, this is like for me negotiating with teachers. It's like the stakes are pretty low because the ceiling's low. The floor is high. We're fine. We're just, but um, no, you got to vote. Uh, and and if you have the money to contribute to races out of state, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of them that really, really affect your life in ways you cannot imagine. And with Carrie, that, Carrie Hobbs, John Fetterman, Josh Shapiro, those were just uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Cortez, uh, uh, Cortez Matos, Mastro Cort, uh, Mastro Cortez in Nevada, yeah, Mastro Cortez, yeah. Um, anyway, so yes, so if you could do that, that would be great. But make sure you vote, and we will see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here, and if you like today's episode smash that subscribe button leave us a review 
Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.